The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Main Street Vegan, a lively hour with host Victoria Moran, best-selling author and the OG of vegan living for over 40 years. She and her guests have got the goods to help you look and feel amazing, make a difference for animals, and discover the soulful side of the vegan journey. Now, here's Victoria. Families pretty good, isn't it? Especially this time of year when we're in the midst of a whole bunch of holidays and we're seeing a whole bunch of people. And then we have memories of family and friends that may as well be family. I have one of those that has to do with the family represented in today's show. My daughter is way grown up. But this was a long time ago. She was just a little toddler. And John Robbins, author of Diet for a New America, was at the height of his initial fame with that book that had taken everybody by storm. And oh my gosh, we were so impressed that he had left the best in Robbins' empire to do enlightened things in the world. And he and I were speaking at the same conference. I was supposed to meet people downstairs, but I couldn't get my daughter to put on her shoes. She so hated shoes and socks that I honestly believe she was a reincarnated Chinese woman who had had bound feet. But I wasn't going anywhere near that conference because it was cold out and my kid wouldn't put on shoes or socks. So up the stairs comes John Robbins with all his reputation and all his bestseller. And he sits down on the floor and he looks my daughter in the eye and he said, so you don't like socks. And she stopped crying and looked up at him as if to say, somebody finally listened. Well, at that time, John Robbins had his own little kid back home and that little kid has grown up to do amazing things in the world, as has my daughter. She's a stunt performer and an aerialist, but we're not going to talk about her today. We're going to talk about John Robbins' kid, Ocean Robbins. You know who that is. Aren't we lucky? We've got the best people in this movement. Hi, everybody. I am Victoria Moran, and this is the Main Street Vegan Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. So today we are going to be talking with Ocean Robbins, who is the co-founder and CEO of the Million Member. Million, like with all those zeros, Food Revolution Network. He's the author of bestsellers, including The 31-Day Food Revolution, and his new book that we're going to talk about today, Real Superfoods, his TEDx talk, Eating Our Way to Happiness, has been seen by more than, oh my gosh, it's another million people. Welcome, Ocean. Thank you so much, Victoria. It is such a pleasure to be with you. It really is. It's just so cool to see all that you guys are doing and all that you have brought into the kind of empire 
to really get this whole food plant-based, but without judgment way of living out into the world. So tell me a little bit about you and your life and growing up eating a lot of plants. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yes, as you as you kind of eluded, I grew up in a kind of unusual family. I was born in a one-room log cabin in the middle of the woods in British Columbia, Canada, to parents who practiced yoga and meditation for several hours a day, grew most of their own food, and named their son Ocean, and they almost named me Kale, way before Kale was cool, which is kind of a pendulum swing from the way my dad grew up. Because my dad grew up in an ice cream family with an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool in the backyard and 31 flavors of ice cream in the freezer. And in his family, he used to jokingly say that roughing it was when room service was late. But in my family growing up, we were really roughing it. Um, you know, we had a couple of changes of clothes and that was it. We lived real simple. And, um, you know, I didn't run. I actually did run around barefoot quite a bit. And so your daughter and I, I suppose, have that in common, probably a lot else in common, too. Um, you know, uh, as I got a little older, my family moved to California. And that's when my dad came out with a book called Diet for New America, which was released in 1987. And it was about how our food choices affect our health, our happiness and the future of life on Earth. It became this runaway bestseller. And he inspired a lot of people, including, as luck would have it, my grandpa Irv. Now, my grandpa Irv had always eaten plenty of the family product. He'd lost his brother-in-law, Bert Baskin, his business partner, to heart disease when my dad's uncle Bert was 54 years old. Um, my grandpa, in his late 60s, was facing serious diabetes, weight issues, and cardiovascular disease. And his doctors told him he didn't have long to live, and he was a very sick man, unless he made some big changes to his lifestyle. And they gave him a copy of a book and told him to read it. The book they gave him was Diet for New America, written, of course, by his renegade son, who'd walked away from the ice cream fortune and his life's work. So amazingly, my grandpa read the book and he followed its advice. And he cut way down on animal products, gave up sugar, started eating a lot more whole plant foods, eating oatmeal for breakfast every morning. And, you know, he gave up ice cream, of all things. Um... And Grandpa Irv got amazing results. He lost a bunch of weight. He reversed his diabetes and his heart disease, got off a bunch of medications he no longer needed, started taking walks every day for an hour and a half. And his favorite part was that he lives, um, excuse me, his favorite part was actually that he his golf game improved by seven strokes. My favorite part, though, was that he lived 19 more healthy years. So I think we've really seen in our family the power that food can have. I mean, super personally, from my dad's uncle, Bert Baskin, my grandpa, Irv Robbins, to uh, feel both what happens when you follow the standard American diet and what can happen when you make a change. And then yeah. in our personal lives, you know, I've just always valued healthy food and healthy lifestyle and healthy life. And I feel so grateful for that, um, to have grown up in that sort of steeped in that. And then my dad making such a difference inspired me as a youngster. So I started a nonprofit when I was 16 and worked with young leaders all over the world um, to try to mobilize youth for positive action on the planet and promoting healthy food along the way. Uh, ran that nonprofit for 20 years and then ended up deciding to join in a new family business, Food Revolution Network, uh, working with my dad to try to see if we couldn't do something to change the way the world eats. And uh, so that's what I'm up to today. I've been running Food Revolution Network as the CEO for the last um, 13 years now. And uh, I absolutely love what I get to do every day because I get to help people be healthy and be part of the solution on planet Earth. Yeah, that's so cool. And I love, I didn't know about your grandfather. I, I, or maybe I forgot. <laughs> but what a yeah. great story. What a great story. Yeah, it's pretty inspiring. And I've got to say, before we go any further, that we just came out with a new book. And I just want to make sure everybody knows about it. It's called Real Superfoods, Everyday Ingredients to Elevate Your Health. And this is just, I'm just so excited about it. Because to me, this is really an extension of our message, which is that health shouldn't be an elitist luxury. You know, we have, you know, sometimes Whole Foods got the unfortunate nickname Whole Paycheck and you know, organic foods can cost twice as much. And a lot of people think, oh, you've got to be rich or well-connected or have all this time on your hands to eat healthy food. And I think that my family has really shown that sometimes 
you can eat really well on very little money. I mean, I grew up in that log cabin. We were living on $1,000 a year, growing most of our own food. And we ate well. We ate wholesome, healthy food because we based our diet around the real staples, the real superfoods, as I call them, which aren't like super fancy, dancy things that are $40 a pound from the other side of the world. The real superfoods, I think, are super because they can do the most good for the most people. So that's why this is a cookbook. And it's all about featuring and celebrating the health benefits and the unique characteristics of legumes and leafy greens and alliums and mushrooms and nuts and seeds and whole grains and coffee and tea and herbs and spices which and berries, which are like super, super healthy. They're linked in so many studies to longevity and vitality. They also are affordable and accessible and they're delicious when you know what to do with them, which is why it's a cookbook. So I just wanted to get that out there because everybody watching the book's available now. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. We're getting such a wonderful response. And so uh, it's not too late to get it for our Christmas presents. Yeah, it is totally gorgeous. And I wanted to talk more about that. So when you call it real superfoods, are there a lot of phonies out there? Well, you know, to me, real, I don't know any superheroes that only save the the rich and the well-connected from burning buildings, you know, or, you know, train track crashes. Like to me, Superman, Superman would always help everybody who needed help. Um, and so I think that the real superfoods are are super accessible. They're super affordable. They are super nutritious. And they're super delicious when you know what to do with them. So I'm not saying that goji berries or Inca berries or, you know, some of the fancy stuff we see in the markets that cost an arm and a leg. I'm not saying they don't have special properties, you know, or Moringa or what have you. But what I am saying is that um, that the, the basic staples that provide calories for humanity should be widely available and affordable. And, you know, of course, the, the your audience, the audience probably on this podcast already knows that animal products are at best an elitist luxury. They're not accessible to the masses in sustainable ways worldwide right now. You know, humans represent 34% of the mammalian biomass of the planet, human bodies, 34% of the weight of all mammals on earth are human bodies. But livestock represent 62% of the weight of all mammals on earth and wild creatures of every kind, all the deer and elk and caribou and elephants and giraffes and everything, 4%. We've essentially displaced all these wild lands with farmland to feed our livestock and land on which to grow livestock and graze livestock. And then it's all just to create this little bit of food, Seven, 83% of the world's farmland for 17% of the world's calories. So I think that uh, when we look at how to live sustainably on this planet, which is something a lot of us are thinking about these days, eating lower on the food chain is huge. But I'm also interested in how we can make healthy food more accessible and affordable for everybody. And in addition to moving away from animal products, we also need to look at how we can create budget conscious ways to feed everybody. And I think that real superfoods are a big part of it. For example, legumes, sometimes even called the poor man's meat. I mean, the the land it takes, the resources it takes to make legumes is not very much. And that's partly reflected in the price, which is why you can buy a pound of beans for a couple of bucks, which is going to turn into three or four pounds when it's cooked. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of calories. I can go a long way towards nourishing a lot of people. So I'm really interested in how we can dignify these basic staples that really should be the basis of our diets and lives. And in the process, we can help create a brighter future for everybody. Oh, I like that so much because the superfoods do kind of have the reputation of, you know, beautiful young women in yoga clothes at a juice bar where the juice starts at 1150. Right. So, you know, they should have good food too. Uh, but let's Everybody about- should have good food. Exactly. And no problem if you want to spend 1150 for a juice. But most people aren't going to be able to do that. And I'm interested in how we can get the word out that you can eat really, really well on super basic foods and and learn to make them taste amazing. Well, let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, herbs and spices. Tell me about some of the ones that you love the most. Well, so this is so cool because herbs and spices are kind of a twofer. On the one hand, they add flavor, right? They make food taste better. And they can make almost anything taste better when you know how to use the right herbs and spices. Number two, they are themselves super healthy. 
they tend to displace things like added oils and high sodium and sugar because we tend to flavor a lot of our food with sugar, salt, and fat. And if instead we can flavor it with spices, then we're we're getting that that like really three things out of it. We're getting to displace bad stuff with good stuff. We're getting the good stuff and we're getting flavor, which tastes amazing. So spices are like, you know, any chef knows the right use of spices is absolutely critical to to their work, you know? And so I just love to say, make friends with your spice cabinet, dust it off, pull stuff out, use it, experiment, be bold and innovative. Try using twice as much as you think or three times as much as you think and see if you don't fall in love with food in a whole new way. And it's interesting, there's an there's a trend developing where the, the line between sweet and savory is getting blurred. And I think that's really cool. Like ginger can fall in both camps, but so can pepper. I mean, you're seeing chili chocolates nowadays, right? And all kinds of interesting creative ways that things get mixed up. And, you know, you could try a little oregano and a sweet thing, but you can definitely try some allspice and a pasta sauce. So I think it's really fun to just get creative about things and, and mix it up. Um, but in general, just spice it up and and fall in love with these foods. Now, spice pe- pepper spices, the cayennes and you know all the different hot peppers and so forth have their own unique characteristics. Uh, as does turmeric is like probably the number one superstar that everyone talks about the most. These are anti-inflammatory, interestingly. So it's funny because you would think that something that's burning and hot would be inflammatory. But for some reason, the way it affects the body is that it calms inflammation down. And people with arthritis or joint pain find that that goes down. People recover from injuries faster. People recover from workouts faster when they're eating these anti-inflammatory foods. From one perspective, most of the major chronic illness of our times is really at its root inflammation. And when you can quell that inflammation, you're helping everything get better, which is one of the reasons why spices are linked to lower risk of all kinds of chronic diseases, which I think is absolutely fascinating. And by the way, good for immune health too. It's like they kind of make the bad guys go away. So there's just so much to love about it. And uh, so the, the 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 world's wide open. And as far as which spices you like, like every, that that's one of the wonderful things about culture is that often spices have a lot um, to do with culture. So, you know, in certain parts of the world, there's the so-called Indian spices, there's the Chinese spices, which is actually all kinds of things because there's all kinds of cuisines in China. You know, there's the there's the Mexican spice mixes, there's, there's um, Italian, right? There's so many different cuisines and cultures and each has its own flavor palettes. Yeah. And then when you make friends with these different palettes, you find out what you love and you may be surprised how many amazing worlds open up for you. Yes, I, I love what you say about just trying some of them. Like my chili, it was always good, but it has been just five star since I started putting cocoa powder in it. I can't even remember where I heard that if you put cocoa powder in chili, it makes it really good. And it does. So it's fun to experiment. But if you don't want to experiment, then all you need to do is get your very own copy of Real Superfoods, Everyday Ingredients to Elevate Your Health. And what Ocean and his co-writer, Nicole D'Andrea Russert, have done is list all these spices and what they're good for, what they're good with in terms of food. And then they list the recipes in the book where you use that particular spice. So let's just say you kind of ordered a big old bag of organic cumin and you're thinking, boy, maybe I should make some extra stuff that has that in it. Well. There you go. You just do it. You'll find some recipes that have it. Yes, absolutely. So let us talk about what people love the most. And this is the coffee and the tea. Whenever (laughs) I see a big crowd of people at an airport and I think, oh, my God, the plane is delayed. It's not. It's the Starbucks. So tell us about coffee and tea. Yeah, this is a fun one Um, because, you know, some people think of coffee especially, and tea as well, even almost as a guilty pleasure. And the truth is, you don't need to feel guilty about it. It's actually good for you. I mean, now everyone's unique, right? So let me put that in that caveat. Um, And just because studies so show that something's good for most people most of the time doesn't mean it's good for all people all the time or that it's good for you right now. And caffeine is something that people respond to very, very differently. So there are some people who metabolize it, like hardly even feel it. Other people, though, Actually, you know, if they have coffee after 12 p.m., 
they can't fall asleep that night. Or they have at any time and they feel jittery and anxious and distressed. That may, if that's the case for you, it may not be a friend to you. So listen to your body, because some people are actually harmed by caffeine, but most people are not. And the, the research is kind of overwhelming on this. Um, we have studies showing that when people drink even up to five cups of coffee a day, which sounds like insanely large to me, but that they, they get tremendous benefit in terms of life expectancy, lower risk of cardiovascular disease and lower rates of dementia. And it's not just because they're thinking more clearly while they're on the caffeine. It's like, it's actually a vasodilator and it's actually causing more blood flow to the brain which is actually good for the brain long term because it's helping open the the, the flood the the uh, patterns up for more neuropathways and so uh, which sustains right because the, the brain is like a muscle that you got to use it or lose it and if you're not thinking creatively and cross hemispherically and trying new things and having new innovations in your own mind if you're not learning you're actually going to degrade over time so. Caffeine may be helpful in that way, but there are also tons of antioxidants in the coffee. So even decaf has tremendous benefits for longevity and, and wellness. And uh, it, in fact, coffee is the number one source by far of antioxidants in the average American diet. Antioxidants are super good for helping fight cancer and, and promoting health at every level and bringing down inflammation. The, the reality is we don't know for sure if somebody already has lots of whole plant foods in their diet, they're going to have way more antioxidants. And then it's possible that the benefits of coffee are reduced because they're already getting enough of that, right? But for most people, they're not getting enough antioxidants, which is why coffee fills such a critical role. Now, green tea has tons of antioxidants too. All, all of our teas come from the tea plant and they're processed in different ways. Green tea is processed the least black tea the most, oolong kind of in the middle. And that processing, which often involves fermentation, it's not like they're doing anything terrible to it, um, can, can degrade some of the antioxidants. So green tea is the most potent in antioxidants, but all of the teas have tremendous health benefits. In fact, green tea or matcha may be the absolute most health boosting food on the planet, at least when it comes to beverages. That said, um, herbal teas have benefit too, each of them in their own unique ways. You know, herbal teas can be great too. And if you don't do caffeine, well, that's that's fine. Go for the herbal teas. Hibiscus tea, just for the sake of context, is the absolute number one when it comes to antioxidant load per cup, per brewed cup. Hibiscus tea tops all the charts. So these are all great things to make friends with. Caveat, don't put a bunch of cream or sugar in your tea or your coffee if you want to optimize health benefits. Personally, I love to have some unsweetened soy milk. My favorite brand is Eden Soy. I'm not big into pushing brands, but they have just organic soybeans and water if you get their unsweetened version. And there's 12 grams of protein per cup. So they're really loading in the soybeans. It's a lot, got a lot. It's just soy and water, lots of soy. So it's very rich. And so unsweetened Eden soy, I, I like to make a homemade cold brew latte because coffee is less acidic when it's cold brewed. So I'll cold brew it and then I'll mix it half and half with unsweetened soy milk. And it's just lovely. Ooh, so when you say don't put milk in it, you mean don't put cow's milk in it? I meant cow's milk, yeah, because actually it seems that the cow's milk counteracts a lot of the health benefits of the coffee. But yeah, I think that plant milks are just fine. But but sugars can be problematic. We don't need another lecture, I'm sure, on the problems with consuming too much sugar. But some people use coffee as a carrier for a bunch of milk and sugar. And a lot of what's sold at Starbucks, for example, is that, you know, and um, I don't think that's doing your health any favors, um, though the coffee is perfectly fine, but it's it's the company it keeps that can be a problem. Yeah. So make friends, make friends with your beverages unsweetened and learn to love that and you'll be doing a big favor for your long-term health yeah and they're so good i was at an ayurvedic restaurant here in new york divya's kitchen the other evening and was just leaving and ran into a friend who said did you eat yet and it's like yeah well, you know i'll have something with you and i ordered a chai tea thinking it would be kind of desserty and it wasn't but it was so good because then you really taste the tea yeah so let's let's just take a minute and uh have a little breathe later and uh, maybe make some tea.
Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Program and my wonderful guest, Ocean Robbins. Oh my gosh. You can find the Food Revolution Network all over the internet. You can follow them on Instagram at Food Revolution Network. And the wonderful book that we're talking about today are so delicious. Holidays coming up. Great present. Great present for yourself. And then you can make the food and serve it to people who visit over the holidays. Real superfoods. Everyday ingredients to elevate your health. I love that idea. I love the idea that I'm not just eating so I'll be full, but I'm eating so that something potentially magical will happen. So we're talking a lot, Ocean, about fresh, amazing foods, which are the kinds we should be eating. But you've also become something of an expert in food label reading. So when we do pick up a product that has a label, what are we looking for? Well, don't look at the front of the package, which makes all kinds of claims about things that aren't in there or why it's so great, because that's marketing. And the truth is that any company is, you know, can try to find some way to make their product sound good. But look at the back of the package, the required section, and look for added sugars. Look for the actual ingredients on there. And, um, you know, if you're interested, look for fiber content, which is a great thing to look for. Those are the most important metrics, I think, to look for. And then saturated fat as well can be a consideration. And then read the actual ingredients, you know. And, you know, if you're vegan, then, of course, you're going to want to avoid animal products. If if you're uh, concerned about cardiovascular health in particular, you probably want to steer clear of coconut and palm oil and other saturated fat sources. Um and then, you know, you want to look for fiber. And of course, the best foods probably don't come in packages at all. You know, they're the whole foods. So you can buy bulk vegetables and fruits and they're not coming in a package most likely. And you don't, we don't need more plastic in the world anyway. You can buy even bulk whole grains and legumes uh, in bulk bins and reuse your bags. And then you're not adding to more plastic in the world. So those are really nice ways to feed your family. Um, as far as basics, you can even get bulk nuts and seeds. So, you know, focusing on those kinds of things is great. But when you're buying packages, you know, also look for organic, especially if you can afford it, um, with soy and corn and also canola, which is used for canola oil, because those tend to be genetically engineered. And genetically engineered crops are generally sprayed with glyphosate, which is a weed killer, but also an endocrine disruptor and a probable carcinogen and an antibiotic. And you don't necessarily want to take that into your body. So going non-GMO, especially with the corn and soy and or organic can be helpful. Organic is always non-GMO sort of by definition. Um, so those are some top tips. Avoid added sugars. If you see added sugar on a label, that's a point of concern. 
and avoid long ingredient lists with things you don't know how to pronounce. Those are some basic tips. Obviously, we can get a lot more nuanced. Um, I'm much more interested in what's in something than when it doesn't contain. So if it says no added sugar, get suspicious. Is it sweet? Well, they use something to sweeten it. Are they using chemical sweeteners like aspartame, um, which has been linked potentially to neurological problems and mental illness um, and, and also digestive problems? Are, are they using stevia, which increasingly we're finding may not be so great for digestive health and your microbiome? There's still more to learn about that. Or are they using dates or bananas or apples, which are probably pretty good? So, you know, it's all a matter of degree, though. The end of the day, I like to ask if I'm buying something, is it something I could have made in my kitchen and they just did the work for me? Or is it something that took a really fancy factory with a lot of machinery and did they refine things a whole bunch? And if so, maybe it's okay for a treat now and then, but I don't want to base my diet around that because our bodies were meant to eat food, real mm -hmm. food, not highly processed junk. So you mentioned soy and I know that legumes are one of the real superfoods. A lot of people are afraid of soy. So let's get to the lowdown on that. Yeah. Soy is a really great food for almost everybody. Um, people, you know, first of all, just to dispense with it, there is absolutely no research behind, no, no data behind the notion that soy is going to cause man boobs or reduce fertility for males. None whatsoever. There was one person once who drank like a gallon of soy milk a day and he developed larger breasts. So maybe cause and effect, probably not. That's all we know. One person wants, like, it's not a thing. There's no research behind it. What we do know is that soy has a lot of phytoestrogens, which uh, mimic estrogens in the body, but actually they, they, they load themselves into the estrogen receptors in the body. And they actually have, in some cases, anti-estrogenic effects. In some cases, pro-estrogenic effects. It varies. It seems to be that the body gets what it needs. So if you need more estrogen, generally, your body's going to get estrogen value from the soy. If you need less estrogen, your body's going to use it to displace estrogen in your body. And you'll have less estrogen cycling through, kind of like Goldilocks, who gets exactly what she wants, not too little and not too much. So soy is an ultimate buffer when it comes to estrogen in the body. For most people, it's linked to lower rates of cancer, especially estrogen-related cancers. It's linked to longer life expectancy. It's super high in plant proteins, which are very beneficial for human health. You know, like I said earlier, you may want to avoid the genetically engineered soy because it's been sprayed with Roundup, which has as its primary active ingredient glyphosate, and that's got a lot of health concerns. So I tend to promote organic soy and also as non-processed as possible because highly processed anything isn't great. And some people are making soy protein isolates and different soy products that are hyper-processed and obviously soy oils. And those are not necessarily as beneficial, but actual whole soy, which could be, by the way, taking actual soybeans. We like to sprout them for a couple of days, which gets them sort of more bioavailable and then pressure cook them and then make like baked beans and things like that. Or you can have tempeh, which is even super amazing because it's been fermented and that makes it more bioavailable and digestible. But tofu is great too. It sort of concentrates more of the protein in there. Edamame is wonderful. Miso can be lovely. Uh, you get a lot of fabulous probiotics from that. Um, lots of great options with soy. And legumes in general, I just want to put in a word for beans. They're sometimes called the poor man's meat. Well, they are affordable, but they're super healthy. In the blue zones, which are the places in the world where people traditionally have lived the longest and healthiest lives, in the blue zones, people are 10 times as likely as the average American to make it to the age of 100. Um, these are regions around the world, very different diets, but each of them has a major focus in their diet on legumes. They average about a cup a day of legumes in all of the blue zones. So whether it's chickpeas or soybeans or, you know, lentils or, uh, you know, um, pinto beans, they're all eating lots and lots of them. And uh, legumes turn out to be quite high in protein and fiber, which is good for your gut bacteria. We've always known that fiber helped keep us regular, but what we're learning today is that fiber also feeds the good bacteria in your gut. And we all know the microbiome is super important. Well, when there's good bacteria are fed, they're producing neurotransmitters that make you feel better. 
They're they're digesting your food better. They're contributing to every, to bringing down inflammation and to health in every cell of your body. So you really want to invest in your microbiome by feeding the good guys. That means fiber. Beans are a fabulous source. Well, that sounds like a real superfood to me. And you know what? People are going to be mad at us if we don't give them the list. So can you recite it off the top of your head or should I read it from your table of contents? I can recite it, but I'll okay. just make sure recites. I'm not leaving anybody out. So, <laughs> okay. so, um, so we're talking about leafy greens. I-, I could talk more about them too if we have time. Mushrooms, legumes, um, berries, blueberries, anybody? All berries. Alliums, which means onions and garlic, as well as leeks and chives and... Um, so forth. Um, herbs and spices, which we've talked about. Sweet potatoes. Who thought that sweet potatoes were a superfood? They are. The Okinawans, who are the healthiest blue zone in the world, sweet potatoes make up more than half of their entire calories. Particular kind of purple sweet potato. They're super healthy. Nuts and seeds and coffee and tea, which we've talked about. But we, can we come back to leafy greens for a second? Wait, yes, yeah, the whole thing sounds like such a great menu. Plus, I yeah. love the idea of those purple sweet potatoes. The purple sweet potatoes over here are they the same kind that they have in Okinawa? Well, they call them Okinawan sweet potatoes, but they're 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 very similar to our purples. Okay. I mean, all the sweet potatoes are super high in fiber, and they're actually low on the glycemic index, despite being so sweet because of yeah. all the fiber in there. But they have a lot of other wonderful compounds, and all the different types are really healthy. And and they're not. By the way, we call some of them yams, like garnet or jewel or some other certain varieties. Usually, they're orange fleshed on the inside. Those actually aren't yams. They're also sweet potatoes. Yams are a very starchy uh, vegetable that is from Africa and. Um, most of us have never seen them before, but uh-huh. uh, sweet, pota- sweet potatoes are sweet. Yum. Well, yum for yams and um, sweet potatoes. So yeah. you really want to talk about leafy greens, which sweet potatoes go with so well. I, I, do. I do, You know, last night, this, this is the truth. I put onions on a steamer and then I put chopped sweet potato and let that cook for a while. And then I put kale. And then I had some kind of tahini, lemon sauce, whatever that I'd made. It's just the best meal. There's something about Yay. the green and the orange. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, talk Sounds about amazing. Greens. Sounds amazing. Leafy greens. Well, my parents almost named me Kale. So I would be like <laughs> doing a dishonor to them if I didn't speak a word for leafy greens. You know, we all think of greens and we're like, oh, yeah, everybody knows we need to eat more vegetables. But some people think they taste kind of bitter. Well, here's the good news. When you eat more greens, your saliva changes. There's literally research on this. After about 10 times of eating kale, it starts to taste sweeter to people. So if you've tried certain things like kale and not liked it, try again and get familiar with it and get creative. Um, There is a little bit of bitterness to them. That's actually part of their incredible health-giving potency. But you want to learn to balance that with some acid, maybe some lemon juice or, you know, rice wine vinegar or other things that kind of balance that. And some little salt can help too if you you do consume salt. and other flavors make sweet things like alliums go very well with 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 greens, like onions, for example. Carrots go well with greens. And then, you know, a good sauce can help a lot. Um, but making friends with greens is a really good idea because they turn out to be the most super healthy superfood there is pretty much. Um, you know, we have so much research on this. It's, it's overwhelming. But for example, researchers at Rush University in Chicago, in the Chicago Health and Aging Project, they studied you know, about 6,000 people for very, very many years. And they ended up concluding that when people ate uh, leafy greens daily, and the amount wasn't huge, it weighed about the amount of a pencil average. This was the highest leafy green consuming group, averaged about a pencil's weight's worth of greens a day. They got um, 11 more years of healthy brain function. So if they did get Alzheimer's, the average person got it, I'm just making this up at 80, these folks got it at 91. And you know, what would you do for 11 more years of health? If you've ever had anybody who's ever had Alzheimer's, you know how debilitating and devastating that could be. If you could give them 11 more years of being their old self again, what would that be worth to the whole family, right? It'd make you want to name your kid Kale. You would, wouldn't it? So, uh, so, and that wasn't even a huge amount, but that was the highest consuming group out of the different categories, right? So what happens if you ate four pencils weights worth of leafy greens every day or 10, right? Then- what happens to your brain then? 
uh, well, maybe even better things. But leafy greens don't just help prevent Alzheimer's. They also prevent cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. They support healthy weight. They they contribute to immune health. The, the benefits are just limitless. And of course, each leafy green has its own unique characteristics. I think if you were creating some kind of pecking order, you'd probably put kale and collards and cabbage kind of at the top. But, but mustard greens are superstars. The only thing to be aware of is uh, the oxalates that are found in spinach and chard in particular can make it harder to digest some of the amazing vitamins and minerals that are in there. So those ones, spinach and chard, are still healthy, but you maybe don't want to consume them in quite as much abundance as some of the others. Cruciferous veggies are sort of at the top of the list, and that's, again, like the mustard greens, but also the kale and and uh, cabbage and and collards. Those are just fabulous. But really all the leafy greens are just pretty darn wonderful. Mm -hmm. And if you can grow some yourself, all the better. They're pretty forgiving, uh, pretty easy to grow. And, um, you know, my whole life I've lived with a garden and uh, always love having a little something. There's food security. There's that freshness effect. There's, there's just a lot to love about having a little garden growing. And it's so different when food is fresh. It's just so vibrant. Yeah. It is. And there's studies showing that children who who grow vegetables eat more vegetables. So for all the parents and grandparents out there, um, exposing children in your life to vegetable growing can be a wonderful investment in their long term health. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. Good for you. So I know that you have a million other things to do today. But I just want to make sure before you go, I want to ask you about hope. Because I think about future generations and what things are looking like when you look at the observable world around us today. And sometimes you just got to scrape the bowl to come up with some hope. So tell me about your hope for the world and where you get it. You know, I I think that um, to me, hope is a verb. It's not a noun. It doesn't come from passively looking at what's happening out there and deciding whether the calculus is looking good or bad. It comes from how we live. And as long as there's breath in our lungs and love in our hearts and dreams in our spirits, then hope is alive. Um, We come from an unbroken chain of ancestors who live long enough to reproduce at a time when they defied the odds. Many of our ancestors lived through times when most people did not make it to reproductive age, but they did, every single one of them. And so I think we have in our DNA the capacity to respond with resilience and creativity and innovation and evolution. And we're at a time now where as a species, we're going to have to evolve quite rapidly if we're going to survive. I mean, Dr. Martin Luther King said, you know, a couple generations back, he said, we must learn to live together as brothers or we're going to perish together as fools. And I think that his words are ringing very true today. We're going to have to find a way to live together with all life and with all humans in an increasingly small world. The world's getting smaller and smaller. We're getting more and more connected. We're running out of resources to consume. We're using up our carbon budget. We're destabilizing our climate. We're using up our groundwater. We're using up our forests. We're we're destroying species at an ever-increasing rate that won't ever come back. And uh, if we continue on this course, you could say we're on our one-way road to oblivion. You know, environmental collapse is around the corner. Um, But at the same time, I believe that we have the capacity to respond with resilience and creativity. The life urge, the survival urge that's embedded in our DNA that all of our ancestors had that got them through wars and famines and crises of all kinds. Many of them lived through hardships that we can hardly imagine that make life today look incredibly easy and pleasant. Um, You know, we have that tenacity in us and we can evolve. And maybe we can evolve in ways that contribute to making a brighter future for all life. And we have so many solutions now, right? Like we know enough with these bright, bright brains of ours. We've actually got a ton of solutions if we just put them into action. We can eat lower on the food chain. We can help save our water and our forests and our and our land. We can sequester carbon out of the atmosphere by by turning grazing land and land that's growing cattle feed back into forest that sequesters that carbon and creates a habitat for species. Again, if 83% of the world's land is used in animal agriculture for 17% of our calories, that's a lot of land we could free up. 
If just theoretically the world went vegan tomorrow, we'd free up an area equivalent to the entirety of the United States, China, the European Union, and Australia combined. That's how much land would instantly freed up, be freed up, which could go back to wild forest or ecosystems that are optimized for carbon sequestration, which means we could stabilize our climate and turn so many crises around all at once and, and have enough water for future generations and live within our means. We know how to do this. We have so many other solutions when it comes to war and violence in the world. We also have people who've been studying peacemaking, who know how to resolve conflicts. If there's an actual desire to live peacefully in coexistence, if at some point we as a species can decide that peace is better than war, we actually know how to make that happen. We can solve our problems creatively and resiliently. I believe it's in us. And the question is, are we willing to learn the lessons from the status quo enough to be compelled to make a change? And they say yeah. that sometimes pain pushes and other times vision pulls. So I think there's a lot of people in a lot of pain right now. And maybe that's the push that will get us to creating a better future, I hope and I pray. Of course, unfortunately, a lot of the decisions are being made by people who aren't feeling all of that pain yet, you know? But, but eventually, as a species, we have to evolve. And we also can evolve with vision. And that's what I'm holding on to. I have visions of the way the world could be. I've always longed to see a world of peace and love and harmony and cooperation and coexistence and, and plenty for all. And I think it's possible. And I'd like to do what I can to contribute. Are we going to succeed? Are we going to win? Are our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren going to have a beautiful future? I don't know. But here's what I do know. We've got to cast our lot with the good guys. We've got to be a part of the solution. If nothing else, it will make us have more peace at the end of the day. We're all going to die. We're all going to die of something. So along the way, how are we going to live? And I say, let's let's live the best we can, not because we're perfect, not because we'll get it right, and not because we'll necessarily win and accomplish everything we want, but because we get to be a part of something mighty and and beautiful and and worth loving for and, and worth standing for. And, and to me, that's a sacred opportunity. Oh, that's lovely. Well, that gives me a lot of hope, as well as over 60 real superfood recipes in your fabulous book. So Gosh, Ocean Robbins, thank you so much. Everybody, you know where to find this amazing man, foodrevolution.org, Food Revolution Network on Facebook and Instagram, and we will put all of those URLs and more in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.com. Thank you so much, Ocean Robbins, and love to your family. Thank you so much, Victoria. What a guy, right? Ah. It's wonderful that we have amazing people on this earth, and I'll bet I'm talking to one. I just have a couple of announcements to share. One thing is about the Compassion Consortium, or consortium, some people say. Do you know about the Compassion Consortium? We've been around for two and a half years, and we are an interfaith, interspecies, interspiritual organization that provides spiritual solace and information for people who care about animals, regardless of what religious tradition or spiritual tradition or none that has a name uh, that you come from. So we'd love to have you join us. We meet on the third Sunday of every month. And so our uh, event coming up is going to be on Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, the 17th of December. It's absolutely free, but you do need to sign up on uh, Eventbrite so that uh, you can get the Zoom link. So you just go to CompassionConsortium.org. And I want to tell you about our two cool guest speakers that day. I will be interviewing in our special spiritual guest compartment Claire Lindsay, talk about royal families of this vegan world. We've just talked to Ocean Robbins, John Robinson. Well, Claire Lindsay is the daughter of 
Andrew Lindsay, who is the great animal rights theologian at Oxford University. And Claire is now at, um, at Oxford as well, doing amazing work there, writing books. So she is absolutely stunning. And then in our Compassion in Action segment, where we talk about people who are just doing amazing things for animals because they want to, and we're going to talk with Miyoko Shinner. Oh, Miyoko Shinner, cheese whisperer and animal sanctuary owner. So do check out www.compassionconsortium.org and find out about our upcoming service and other ones in the archives and more coming up and looking ahead to next month. Oh my gosh, we have a new year coming. I am doing a seminar called Acing Age with Ayurveda, and that is going to be all day on January 20th. And you can get more information about that at either one of my websites, victoriamoran.com or mainstreetvegan.com would be wonderful to have you there. You know, I'm writing a book, Age Like a Yogi, although we may change the name to Age Like a Sage. I don't know yet. But anyway, I'm writing this book and it's all about the ideas from yoga philosophy and from Ayurvedic healthcare, of course, mixed in with being vegan and plant-based and all these other amazing things. You know, it's not about following rules. It's about knowing what wisdom has come through people before us picking and choosing, take what you like and leave the rest and create for yourself the absolutely most dazzling life. Don't you think? So if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate solstice, blessings on your solstice and blessings on Kwanzaa and New Year's and Epiphany and Hanukkah is in there. I'm not sure when it's happening this year. We're recording a little bit before the air date. So my apologies for not having that date in my memory. Just know I wish you a celebratory time because heaven knows we can use a little celebration. Thanks so much for being part of the Main Street Vegan podcast. And I just wish you the best old year ahead. Now let us go out and make Main Street vegan. Thanks for listening. Find out more about today's episode at MainStreetVegan.com, where you can also learn how to take your vegan or plant-based outreach to the professional level through Main Street Vegan Academy. And join our inner circle at the Main Street Vegan Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. See you next time. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.